Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Five Easy Things Podcast, where we explore bite-sized success hacks and strategies for living your best life. I believe there are three pillars that make up the foundation for living your best life. The intellectual, emotional, and the physical. Glad to have you on this journey as we explore ways to live our best lives. I'm Yolanda Albergati, your host of the Five Easy Things Podcast. And I am here in the beautiful Golden Ox Studios, Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you to Chuck's Fine Wines, Chagrin Falls, Ohio, for supporting today's podcast. For all your holiday shopping needs, including fine wines, craft beers, specialty foods, cheese, and personalized gift baskets, visit Chuck's Fine Wines, 23 Bell Street, Chagrin Falls, Ohio, or visit chucksfinewines.com. And another option, call 440-247-7534 for local delivery or shipping nationwide. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I have a special treat for you. It's a recording of the Five Easy Things Live Conversation Holiday Edition. Stay tuned. If you have aging parents and you need some tips on how to start the conversation, or if you want some tips on how to be more intentional with your giving this year, because our panel discussion with local experts, Aaron Vick from V Financial Partners and Meg Pawkin with Pawkin Legal Services will provide you with answers and five easy, actionable strategies. Are you going next? I'm going next. All right. Erin's yes. going. I'm going. So um, I'm Erin and following Yolanda. Who wouldn't want her to be at your house? So my topic is five easy things about finance and giving. And what we talked about last time is that by 2030, uh, women are going to control two-thirds of the nation's wealth, but we're not ready. We don't want to look at it. So boy, who really wants to talk about it with giving? Well, Giving is a little different, because women, we tend to be pretty sentimental. We care, we want, you know, what it means to us to give might be very specific and different to your life experience. Your experience is different than mine, so what I might want to affect in giving is different. If it's a child, a niece, a nephew, um, grandchildren, what matters, my mother-in-law didn't get to go to school because there wasn't enough money. So for her, any penny she could give to education would have been important. So everybody's different. Now, in today's dollar, that might not be a lot for a child's education, but that's what mattered to her. So there's no amount or any type of giving you need to do or have to do. I had a guy say to me, do you think that's okay to give to my sons? I'm like, you don't have to give them a dime. (laughs) You don't have to. So there's no um, notion in that way. But um, should giving be something you want to do that's different than a present or clothes or cold hard cash? In your packet, you'll have one of the, you know, the traditional ideas from 529s, which is for education. Uh, that's market-related. You, know, you might want to consider, some people think of like an, a retirement account, and they're like, well, you might not be here to see the fruits of those labors, right? So what's important to you? And so it's all very individual. And I definitely want to share maybe two less traditional ideas while I'm up here. But probably the biggest thing before giving is sitting down with your advisor and making sure you have a good spending plan because giving can put you in debt. And then it takes all the fun and joy out of it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of negative. So I don't want to do that. 
traditional ideas would be one, um, we love the idea with the people we've worked with who, grandparents in this case, took a, a sum of money, about $10,000, and are able to create upwards of $500 a year on their grandchild's birthday. So on that day, they're getting that money. They can either spend all of that on a birthday gift or not, but they're receiving that income. Then when they pass on, the child receives the $500 for the rest of their life. And I'm always, I get chills even thinking about if I were 50, if I were 50, no, if I were 60 years, I mean, at any age of receiving a gift from an aunt, a grandparent, and that they had the forward thought to do this for me, and what the, it would mean so much more. When I was 25, I'd be like, what, $500? Okay, great. And I'd have it spent before I received it. But then by the time I'm in my 60s and realizing, you know, so to me, it's one of the most meaningful things that can be done, and it's a little less traditional. Those numbers can go up. Some people say that. Well, wait a second. Will the dollar be worth the same thing in 50 years? Of course not. But you can have those increasing. But it's a real kind of a sweet, sentimental gifting option. And another idea to me that's important, legacy begins while we're living. So if you can reach a younger person, a younger granddaughter, if we're talking about women in finance, and find a cause that might be motivating to them, that, of course, is always a fun idea. Were you going to say something? Yeah. yeah. A fun idea to, to engage about finance, giving, and money while you're here. You know, it doesn't just have to be when, when, when we leave the earth necessarily. So finding those things, whether it's the animals, save the planet, but everybody has, has their thing. So that's often a way. You can even take a current life insurance policy and name a beneficiary as the organization. So let's say... I'll use Heifer International, it's a group that feeds the world in many ways. You can name them as a beneficiary of a current life insurance policy and the owner. You get a tax write-off for your premium. You know, some people don't realize, wow, I had it for when I was younger to pay the house off. I don't need it anymore. But you can make adjustments within that. And again, stuff you can do with an advisor. But giving can be different, and there are a lot of different ways to look at it. I often say that one of the best gifts we can give as females is, is to get our own life organized financially, to sit down and have a plan. We'll work with clients and be able to say, all right, after we've set up all this retirement income, let's make a plan and really go through what you intend to happen with your planning, what you want, and let's sit down with your kids and family and tell them all about it. Because it's way better when we're here and they know and can ask questions. So that could be one of the best gifts to give people as well. But ultimately, you don't have to give a dime. Do it within your means. You know, have the bond, have the bond to come in your house. <laughs> like, question, yes. So I was, Yolanda was talking about, about your talk the other day, and I just mentioned something that I had done with my daughter while she was growing up. So I'm Jewish, because eight months. And um, I always had to spend a limit, like, you know, each gift, because I, I did all eight months, so each gift was only going to be X hundred dollars. But the first gift every year was an envelope full of cash. Mm -hmm. And with that, she had to decide, and it was, I think we started when she was maybe like four or five years old, so we started young. She had to pick a philanthropy. She had to do some research and pick what she wanted. And then she had to decide, is it going to be a cash gift, or does she want to look at their needs list, and we'll go to Coles or Target or whatever. And um, for many years, she did Providence House, and she would pull out the needs list, and we would go. And then I would drive her, and she would bring it in, and she would fill out the form, and, you know, everything came to her. And it was just a nice way to get her to realize that it's not about receiving gifts. It's about giving. Mm -hmm. And um, sort of learn a little bit about philanthropy at the same time. So I just thought it was 
transfer way better to transfer those capital gains and get the step up in basis. But then you also have to think about, will technology, as fast as it's changing today, replace whatever that stock might be? So we've had this conversation that may affect medicine and the way medicine uh, pills are, we receive our medication. I imagine this to be different. But I'll tell you, when they love the grandma or the grandpa, they're going to keep it till it's worth a penny. <laughs> so if you wanted them to get something out of it, these are realistic conversations. You know, it all has meaning. But I love when people are able to introduce that to their family and, and share. So that's exactly what we're talking about. So with that, I'll pass it to you. Meg's going to go ahead and talk a little bit about... Yes. The holidays so, and conversations. Yeah, so I'm Meg Hawkins, and most of you know me. I do elder law and estate planning. And um, Lynn Hermensky, who couldn't be here tonight because of our date change, is um, the director of uh, provider relations for Western Reserve Hospice, or Hospice of the Western Reserve, I'm sorry, I misspoke. And so she was going to speak about um, kind of red flags to look out for in your aging parents or aging family members. You know, over the holidays when we visit, we get a chance to get into people's homes and to see them when we might not have seen them for a while. And so um, my talk is a little bit about difficult conversations to have, but I'm going to lead in with Lynn's because I think that a lot of what Lynn had to say sort of dovetails a bit with, with mine. One of the things she said was, you know, it's really important when you're visiting how your parents or your grandma or your, you know, aunt or whoever it is, look at little things. Open the fridge. How much expired food is in there? You know? Or is there healthy food in there? Are, I mean, are they eating well? You know? Um, I know my mom grew up in the Depression, so it was not unusual to have expired food because it's still good. Those days are just a suggestion. But you know, there's a difference, right? So, you, so take a look at that. Take a look around the house. Is, is, you know, was a house that was formerly really clean and tidy very cluttered? You know, are, is there stacks of unopened mail? You know, take a look at those little things. Um, throw rugs on the floor. Trip hazards are huge for elderly people. So take a look. Are there, are there things stacked on the stairs, like waiting to go upstairs? Um, has clutter gotten out of control? Um, you know, is the TV up really loud? You know, maybe someone's hearing aid batteries aren't being attended to or something. So take a look at those little things that are sort of signals that something's not quite right and it might need attending to. 
So Lynn was going to go into that, and her, um, her flyer is in your packet, which goes into a little bit more detail. But that's a lot of what, um, what she was talking about. And, you know, part of that also is evaluating memory, but in a really subtle way, right? You don't want to be giving someone a quiz about what you've done for breakfast this morning. And where did you go yesterday? And what you want to do is ask them, how, you know, who have you seen lately? Who's been visiting? Have you gotten out to go to church or temple? Um, you know, asking those kinds of questions and seeing what kind of responses you're getting. Um, because that tells you a little bit about how aware they are and also how much socializing they're getting, which is also really critical for people, um, particularly as they get older. We live in a climate where going out in the wintertime can, can feel really dangerous. So in those winter months, people will get really isolated, and they're not seeing people, and then things can happen. So again, you know, look out for those sort of red flags, expired food or not good food in the house. A lot of clutter and unopened mail, stuff stacked on stairs, um, TV way too loud, things that would be, you know, cause for concern. So once you've evaluated that there's a cause for concern, now comes my talk. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, will do is 
put it back to the doctor. Hey, does your doctor ask you about that? Um, because if they say no, then you can say, oh, well, if the doctor asks, do you have it? Or, you know, if they say yes, the doctor has asked, I've given it to them, I have it, then your question's answered. So I like kind of diffusing it by putting it off a little bit on somebody else and being a little bit indirect. Um, the other thing you can say that sometimes is a little bit more um, fraught, depending on how well people are, or how comfortable people are talking about this, is, hey, I want to make sure we do what you want us to do. You know, I want to make sure that your wishes are honored. Have you put that down in writing anywhere, or do you want to tell me? You know, you're 89, and if you get really sick, do you want us to go ahead and do CPR and do all those things, or would you rather go naturally? Now, in some families, you can't have that conversation, and I recognize that, but that's one way to do it, is to say, I want to do what you want me to do, but I can't do what you want me to do if I don't know what it is. Um, if you're noticing struggles, you know, having trouble getting up and down the stairs, maybe the house is a little out of control, bathroom looks really bad. Um, one thing to raise is, hey, I was thinking for Christmas I might get you a gift certificate for a cleaning service. What would you think about that? Or, hey, I ran into somebody recently who started a business sending, um, helpers into people's homes to make sure that, you know, things are cleaned up and tidy and, you know, there's food in the fridge. Is that something you'd like? Could we set that up for you? Okay? If things are slipping pretty hard and you can tell that, you know what, it's getting time. Like, it, it's going to be time for them to be moving to an assisted living or something like that. One way to start that conversation is to say, you know, have you thought about what's next for you? when you can't live at home anymore. Not saying it's today, not saying it's tomorrow, but have you thought about what that might be like? Do you have any friends living places that they like? Have you talked to any of your friends who are living in, in some of these assisted livings? Um, I think that, that sometimes having that approach of it's coming down the pike, let's talk about it now before it becomes an issue. Um, another one I like is, gosh, I'd sure sleep better at night if I knew we had a plan in case you get really sick. Um, because then they're doing you a favor. I'd sure sleep better at night if I just knew what you wanted to have happen. Okay? Um, if you don't know if they have a will or any kind of estate planning, my best tip is to make yourself the example. Hey, you know, my husband and I just went and got our wills done. Have you and mom updated yours recently, or do you have wills? Um, one way to do it. And it kind of takes, and of course, if you haven't done it yet, make sure then your nose will grow. And, <laughs> but I think that's a way to diffuse it. If you're not being accusatory, you're not challenging them, you're not telling them what to do. And I think, I work with a lot of older people, and one of the things that they get really frustrated about is if their, their kids are telling them what to do. And so as soon as you step into that, mom, you need to do this, or dad, 
you need to do that. Then you're back in this crash. It's almost like being a teenager again, and you're butting heads. But if you can, if you can do it in terms of, I want to help you have the best part of your life possible, the best rest of your life. Let's do this. Let's plan for it in a way that makes sense for everybody, so that you can enjoy yourself. The other thing I will tell you is, almost without exception, when older people finally make that decision to go to assisted living, they almost universally wish they'd done it five years before. There's no cooking, there's a social life, you know, they don't have to pay somebody else is driving them, and you know, they can hang out and play cards and listen to music and watch movies, and they're having a good time and they're around people. And so, because for so long that was seen as a symbol of giving something up, and you know, it was going to be awful. They avoided it, and here it, it, you know, I mean, if you've been down to the atrium or any of the, the local places, they're lovely. So that's also something to think about. But I think you know, key is to not tell them what you, what to do, but to give them some agency in making those decisions. My my other big tip is. When you're together over the holidays, get them to talk to you about their lives and get those memories jotted down. You know, they have some great stories. And if somebody isn't capturing that, you know, just hit the voice recorder on your phone. Mm -hmm. You know, and hear those stories because you'll be happy that you have them later. Mm -hmm. so, anyway, that's <coughs> my tips for holidays. Guys, questions, comments, share, anything? We did, uh, I was in, I think it was two years ago, three years ago, I don't know, I was in Texas, and my son had a bunch of VHS tapes. Wow. VHS tapes. Yeah. Okay. So he, we sat one day, and he just, he started playing them. Well, there was one of my stepdad, who was my dad for 30-some years, playing the piano. And mom always said, somebody needs to record him playing the piano because when he's gone, nobody's going to. So I'm like, okay, I've got to do it. So I said, Jason, you need to do this for me. You've got to figure out how to put that. He did it. He just did that one little thing. It's going to make me cry. Put it on a desk. I gave it to all my brothers and sisters for Christmas Day. And it's on my phone. Wow. So I can pull it up anytime and it's just Papa just sitting there playing the piano. It's just it's the it's just the coolest memory. You can't you, you can't. You just can't go back to it. Okay, so I know that we're talking about particular major conversations talking about our the next generation mm -hmm. I had a conversation today with my sister in law. She and my brother just got divorced. She asked me to do a well for her. You you know part of the story. Um, she asked me to do a bowl for her. I don't do bowls, so I made her promise that if I did one like as a really quickie that she would, there in Texas, that she would like go get it done. And told her story, this was literally just she told her story about me. Um, she's also going through, she's found out that she's BRCA positive, so she's going to be getting a double mastectomy and hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about that. I mean, I love my sister in law, but she's not married to my brother anymore, does it? <laughs> through the door, not knowing what was on the other side of the door, was that every three months I would call my best friend's um, administrative assistant to make sure that she had all my documents. 
And in three months, nothing's changed, right? So she had all my documents, she had all the contact information, she knew how to get my kid out of school if she needed to, my kid was three. You know, and so this was going on for years. Um, and in the interim of all of that, I stopped talking to my sister. And about six years into this, I look at my will, and my kid is still going to my sister. So, uh, like, this is my comfort zone, and I never bother to update my will. So my point in telling you guys this is, it's not just our parents' generation, it's us. It's us. You know, read, you know, read through it and make sure it says what you want it to say. Literally, my kid was going to my sister, and that would have been the worst thing ever. So, yeah, have this conversation today. I often think when people talk about where the kids would go, my, my sister told a story, you know, about a life coach, a war coach, somebody she worked with who had all these pictures of kids, but she she wasn't really in them. She inherited the children from a sister, and the sister didn't change any of the beneficiaries to the person who would care for her children. And I say that to everyone now, because we set our children up, you know, I don't personally have them, but, you know, those are often listed. But if your spouse wasn't here, and you weren't here, and somebody else is saving, you know, custody and responsibility, they would be better off and probably a lot happier if they had funds to do it. <laughs> so those are things as you talk to your friends and family. Yeah, you know, have you had that conversation? Do you know who would take care of your kids if you weren't here? How would they pay for it? Right? They weren't planning on it. You know, the other thing, um, and of course, uh, the, one, the one thing I think people over, often overlook is that they don't do it when they're young because they assume you will grow old and get ill. And, and that is, for me, is, um, uh, such backward thinking because they don't want to think about it. Well, and I always, I would say, uh, yeah, and what may, many of you may remember this, but the Terry Schiavo case, the one that created the, oh, that the conversation around end of life care in this country, actually, that, that case. That, but she was 20, 26 years old, and left, and, you know, 15 years later. Was she one before? She was one before, and it was 15 years of litigation. Right. Uh, right. But my, my point is, young people don't. Or young people get serious cycle, right. mm -hmm. right? And this idea about putting it off and, um, because it's your parents you have to worry about. Especially once you have kids, you can't right. put it right. off. So right. You, know, you talked about that. And it's what we're talking about. Yes, should be all of Yes, it's it's really interesting that you bring that up because that's a conversation that I have with clients, and very often younger parents. You know, they they will choose someone to be the guardian for their kids who lives on the other side of the country, you know, their sibling that lives in Colorado. And so my follow-up question is always, well, who's going to take care of them in between? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, you need to have somebody temporary and local that the 16-year-old babysitter can call when you don't come home from the movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. Summer, yes, yeah. but wouldn't you rather be prepared? When I first got into this business, I remember going through everything with Joan and going, we have dogs that are a total of 500 pounds. If we're not here, who's going to get it? I mean, it was a serious consideration. I do dog planning as well. Do you do dog sitting? That's another issue, too, especially if you have high maintenance pets that require a certain level of care. You know, I have a lot, so, you know, he doesn't take a whole lot other than a good run around the backyard, but we were gonna give him a suit coming, so it was <laughs> <laughs> But that's, 
you know, it's something to think about. Yeah. So, yeah. Good point. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you found today's podcast helpful. Check out the show notes for how you can reach out to our experts and for links to download their strategy sheets, which you will probably need because they had a wealth of information. Also, if you are in the Chagrin Valley area, our next live event is Tuesday, January 14th, 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the Aurora Inn. We would love to have you join us. So see the show notes for complete details and do come out and join the conversation. Cheers. Cheers.